Hey listeners, Megan here. A quick update for you before we get started with this week's episode. I'm taking a wee break from podcasting for the next couple weeks. So instead of researching, recording, and editing your latest dose of Who Knew We Didn't, I'm off getting married to my longtime love and creator of our kick-ass theme song, Taylor. But even though I'm off getting hitched, we couldn't leave you fine listeners in the lurch like that. So that's right, you guessed it. Marta is flying solo for the next couple weeks until I get back. So for now, without any further ado, here she is, podcast partner of the century, the one, the only, Marta. And the crowd goes wild. <sighs> That's my sound of the crowd going wild in the background, if you guys didn't figure that out. After an intro like that, you'd kind of expect the crowd to go wild. As you guys have heard, Megan's away this week and the next, so I get you guys all to my greedy little self, which is perfect, but don't get your panties in a bunch because she will be back in two short weeks, so if you don't like the sound of just my voice, you can tune in later or maybe find another podcast because I do a lot of talking on this one. Uh, anyway, for those of you who are new here, we are Who Knew We Didn't. My name is Marta and my partner in podcast here is... Oh, right? She just told me that she's not here. Normally, when we do that little spiel, I'll say my name's Marta and she'll reply with, Megan, hey, with her cheerful little self. On our normal weeks, we cover any topic or phenomenon that we find interesting and we dig into the psychological research around it. In the past weeks, we did a whole relationship series where we covered family relationships, we covered work bays, and we covered relationships in the boom boom room. Before that, we talked about sensation and perception, so what your eyeballs do, and then how that information gets translated into your mind brain, and how that gets processed as actual vision and sight, and same with your ears and nose and all that good stuff. Uh, and somewhere in between those relationship episodes and the sensation of perception episodes, we talked about murder and we talked about psychopathy. So interesting stuff. We cover a really wide array of topics and today is going to be no different. We're going to be covering something different again. Uh, but this week is a special week because Megan, as you heard, is getting married. Cue the wedding bells. <laughs> So I'm covering one topic all by myself in what will probably be a shorter episode that we are calling a study study. Study studies, we hope, will be little tidbits that we can throw in maybe during the week in between our regular full-length episodes, or maybe they're going to be episodes like this when one or the other one of us goes away. Also, as part of this episode, you guys will probably notice Megan is the one that does our editing. So if our audio is a little bit off, that's because I'm doing the editing and I am horseradish at it. So I'm sorry, but welcome to our study study. Um, <laughs> just an explanation about study studies. These episodes focus on a much more narrow topic or an area of research that can be reduced to a bite-sized episode just like today's. Now that's enough rambling for me. Let's jump in. So a few weeks ago, I reached out to the wonderful world of Reddit, and I asked you guys for some of the most fascinating findings or studies that you've seen in psychology, and man, did you all answer in force. And by in force, I mean, maybe I got about 10 answers, but for me, that's a huge response on Reddit, so I'm not gonna... I mean, anyway... I want to cover every single one of the topics that was suggested to me, which is why 
I didn't choose a single one of those suggestions. And the reason for that is not because I don't want to cover them. It's just that I couldn't decide. I started researching honestly every single one and each one felt like it needed more time and space and maybe a full episode to do it justice. So I kept searching the internet until I found this quote. And this quote is, it has a name because it's been used so often. It's called Hanlon's Razor. The quote is, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. So basically, if you can explain someone's actions due to their stupidity, do so because they probably didn't have malicious intent. Now, Helen's razor, or the never tribute to malice quote, can be applied to various different situations. For example, someone at the grocery store is strolling along and you both have your eye on one box of cereal that is left and it's the last box of cornflakes and you need it and you know you need it and you have that desperation in your eyes and the other person looks at you and looks right in your desperation filled eyes and reaches for that corn filled corn flakes box and puts it into their uh what's it trolley carriage shopping cart there we go they put it into their shopping cart and you're like mm, that person's so evil they saw my eyes they knew that i needed it maybe they didn't read that in your eyes. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they actually grabbed the box of cornflakes by accident because they thought that you wanted the cocoa puffs or something else. So don't attribute malice to that which can be explained by stupidity. This could also be used for the person who cut you off in traffic, who's really just a dum-dum who didn't check their blind spot, but it ended up cutting you off and so you interpret it as malice. Or we can apply this to your poor child who dropped an ice cube on the floor and let it melt, not because they're evil and wanted you to get trench foot after you step in it and make your sock wet and walk around in a wet sock all day. No, they probably just didn't realize that they dropped it. Yes? Mom, I'm looking at you. I'm not evil. I'm just stupid. I didn't notice that ice cube on the floor. I didn't know it fell. Okay, I don't want you to get trench foot. Anyway, you're probably wondering by now, where is the psychology in this, Marta? I get it. There's Hanlon's razor. It's a cool idea, but where are the studies? Well, don't worry. I'm getting to it, my dear patient audience. The whole phenomenon could be explained by a psychological thingy we like to call attribution bias. Now, there's a specific type of attribution bias, which is called hostile attribution bias. Hostile attribution bias suggests that when you're interacting with another person and they do to you some sort of harm, you are more likely to attribute this to their hostile intent than to imagine that they have an innocent reason for it. Like, for example, maybe stupidity is the reason. This effect perseveres in situations where no actual harm is done to you. For example, Stacy raises her hand before you in class and answers the question. You attribute this to Stacy wanting to show off and take away your limelight because Stacy is a jerk. When in reality, you are sitting behind Stacy and she didn't know that you wanted to answer and she's just trying to put the waiting teacher out of their silent misery by raising their hand and participating. And you know what? Stacy's answer is wrong anyway, so you get your chance hotshot. Your attribution of Stacy's raised hand to an imagined hostile intent is hostile attribution bias in action. And really, if we take it back to what I said in the beginning, it's Hanlon's razor in action. So don't attribute something to malice when it could be attributed to stupidity instead. Stacy might not be stupid, but she didn't know that she was causing you any harm. So... 
there's your explanation. Hanlon's razor, by the name, you can tell it was coined by this dude, Hanlon, Robert J. Hanlon, but it has actually been said in many variations way before Hanlon coined it, like somewhere in, what was it, 19 something, I should know this, but Hanlon, pretty recent dude, but it's been said by, for example, Napoleon Bonaparte, who famously declared, never ascribe malice to that which is adequately explained by incompetence. Sounds pretty damn similar to Hanlon's razor, if you ask me. Goethe, Goethe, I don't know how to say this name properly, G-O-E-T-H-E, also wrote um, in 1774, so way before Hanlon, he wrote, misunderstandings and neglect create more confusion in this world than trickery and malice. At any rate, the last two are certainly much less frequent. Meaning, misunderstandings and neglect are probably the explanation to whatever's happening. And this is what's causing the problems in the world, not trickery and malice, or at least not most of the time. So we can see that Hanlon's razor, yes, is the most memorable, line it even has its own name but the concept has been talked about back since 1774 and the reason for that is that it's an actual real bias it's a cognitive bias that people have now the way the human mind works includes so many biases there's for example confirmation bias which is actually a huge topic in the last american election cycle if you guys remember there's the availability heuristic which is the mental model that suggests that we misjudge the frequency of recent events because they're the most easy to recall so we think that something that happened recently to us is much more common than it actually is in the real world then there's the bias from disliking or hating so for example example, when we dislike someone more or something, we more likely attribute their actions to malice, which relates to uh, hostile attribution. But we're not going to go any further into those different biases. If you guys want to, we can cover them later. Or there are some suggested readings, but today we're going into hostile attribution bias itself. Now, hostile attribution is everywhere. For example, a blog post I found on the site called Farnham Street talks about how the media uses outrage as a profitable commodity. For example, if Siri on your iPhone won't search for abortion clinics, we are more likely to attribute this search issue to misogyny and that Apple is evil when, in fact, the answer is stupidity. It was caused by a simple, dumb programming error. So here we can see hostile attribution in play because we're attributing it to the evil nature of Apple trying to rule the world uh, when actually it was just something stupid and simple. So there's Hanlon's razor saying that it's stupidity as the explanation instead. We could all benefit from using Hanlon's razor more often in our daily media consuming lives, but the benefits don't stop there. And we can also challenge our hostile attribution bias uh, in communication and interpersonal relationships. Now, I realize I'm kind of tossing around the words Hanlon's razor and host hostile attribution bias, but whenever I interchange those two ideas, just know I'm talking about more, more or less the same thing. So we can challenge our attribution bias in communication and interpersonal relationships, and this will probably help us see a more honest view of what's happening around us too. Not everyone is out to get you because really, you're not that important. They're probably more focused on themselves and probably didn't notice that their actions affected you. So if they do, just, you know, either attribute it to their stupidity or just ask them like, hey, 
did you mean to trip me or something like that because it's so much easier to just talk it out than to just attribute hostility to their actions attribution bias in general so not hostile attribution but attribution bias in general is a cognitive bias so cognitive bias means that it's a preference in the way that our brains process things or a preference in the way that we think and this refers to systematic errors made when people try to evaluate or find reasons for their own and others behaviors so we make mistakes when we think about why people are doing things and this is a pretty common thing in psychology and we don't realize it in our regular human lives but we're always making mistakes when we try to evaluate why somebody else did something like why did that lady cut me off oh because she's a jerk no actually she really has to pee and in fact has started peeing her pants so she needs to get home as soon as possible maybe that's it or she's pregnant and driving herself to the hospital because she's giving birth i don't know but usually we're wrong in our assumptions of people so that's attribution bias and hostile attribution is one type but there are others again we're covering hostile today so this bias was coined in 1980 by three researchers or at least this was the first paper that we saw it in uh the researchers were nasby hayden and DePaulo. The research that first came out was on children, and they looked at emotionally disturbed boys ages 10 to 16 who were either relatively aggressive or relatively unaggressive. So you've got two groups, 10 to 16-year-old boys. These boys were shown pictures of varying degrees of ambiguous social situations and were asked to appraise the scene. The researchers found that certain children tended to attribute more hostile intent to ambiguous pictures than other children. So one group was attributing hostile intent more than the other group. Can you guess which group it was? You're right, the more aggressive boys. So an interesting finding in in this is that not only is hostile attribution a thing, it's a bias that exists in general, but also it's very, very closely tied to aggression so when children are exhibiting more aggression they tend to also hold more hostile attribution biases if you follow the breadcrumb trail from this research you can see that high levels of hostile attribution bias in children is related to high levels of reactive aggression in children so there are two types of aggression there's reactive and proactive reactive is as a response to something proactive is unprovoked aggression just self-motivated aggression so hostile attribution is linked to reactive aggression this path to aggression has no clear gender difference in association so both girls and boys who are high in hostile attribution bias tend to lean towards reactive aggression in the same proportions as each other which is interesting and very notable to point out because boys are more often painted as the aggressors than girls are so to see something that's pretty uniform across genders is interesting to me and there are two types of aggression so there's physical and there's relational aggression if the hostile attribution bias causes them to see relational hostility then they are more likely to respond with relational aggression same goes with physical so if a boy experiences a physical behavior that he perceives is hostile he is more likely to be physically aggressive and if the behavior is relational this tends to result in relational aggression instead now these findings are all well and good but how do we fix this or how do we stop 
the hostile attribution bias? How do we make it stop in children and how do we break that link between the bias and aggression? Well, for that, we need to know why it happens, like what makes it happen. So there are two theories. There's one theory where the mechanism that causes it is a motivational theory. So we are motivated to believe that these people are looking to harm us. And so we are more likely to attribute hostility to their actions. And that's why we have that bias. There's another one, there's another theory that says that this is cognitively driven so that our brains like actually are just wired that way. A criticism of both of these is that the whole attribution bias, like the whole hostile attribution bias is or it might be tied to just a cultural phenomenon. So this hostile attribution bias might not even exist in other cultures. Like if you go to any of the countries in Africa, maybe there's no hostile attribution bias there or maybe it manifests differently. So it's curious why it's happening and what it is that's causing it. But because we don't really know what causes it or why we have these attribution biases, it's kind of tough to nail down a treatment. But uh, something that has been looked into and has they have found limited but promising evidence that it works is cognitive training to reduce attribution bias. So working with these reactively aggressive children and trying to train them to have a different attribution or try to maybe break their biases and or like prove their biases wrong so that they learn to you know slow down analyze what they're looking at and say hmm maybe this person isn't actually doing this because they're stealing my candy maybe they just thought it was their candy and they took it by accident that sort of thing so again cognitive training might be able to re reduce attribution bias and it could be a useful therapy but we don't really know right now because there's not enough evidence and also keep in mind that this is not the only reason that children are aggressive but it is one of the reasons but it's not the sole explanation if you eliminate attribution bias i'm sure children are going to keep being aggressive uh if you uh, and also not all children with attribution bias are aggressive people have attribution bias too they're not aggressive or they are whatever they're not exclusively tied but they are correlated. So there's that. Um, and that brings us to about the end of this episode. For further reading, I would suggest looking at fundamental attribution bias, which is how we see other people's actions even unrelated to us. And we're just usually wrong at figuring out why people do the things they do. And that's really fascinating. Uh, and I really like to play these own mental challenges on myself because I am a psychology nerd. Also just look at attribution biases in general, such as the ones that I talked about earlier, like the availability heuristic, that one's really interesting. The confirmation bias, which is also really interesting. Again, I can go on and on, but those are the two things that I would suggest that you guys look into if you'd like. Um, and I'd just like to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sticking with me if you've listened to this whole episode. Even without Megan, I hope that this was entertaining. And we'll see you again next week. In the meantime, if you would like to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, that would be really cool. Some of you guys have been rating and reviewing us, and I just like I'm over the moon. I'm so excited that there's even those people who have reviewed us. I think my own review of our podcast is up there, but shh, don't tell anyone. Don't tell the gods that be in Apple 
that I reviewed my own podcast. Anyway, I'm rambling. We are Who Knew We Didn't, or I am Who Knew We Didn't for today. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Who Knew We Didn't There. Follow us on Facebook, Who Knew We Didn't There. Track me down on Reddit. I'm Ask Marta J. I know, completely different from Who Knew We Didn't Everywhere, but reach out. Let me know. Let us know what you guys want to hear for the study study episodes. If you like them, if you don't, what you'd like to change. We are learning and this is a work in progress and we love you and thank you for listening and everybody let's wish Megan a happy wedding day because that's so fucking exciting. Anyway, see you guys later. Bye!